and welcome to Legally Bond, a podcast presented by the law firm Bond, Chenick & King. I'm your host, Kim Wolf-Price. On today's episode, we're speaking with Taronda Randall, an associate in our Overland Park, Kansas office, where she's part of Bond's collegiate sports practice. Hello, Taronda. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kim. Glad to be here. Uh, thank you for joining us. It's always fun for me to talk to you, so I'm glad to get to have you as a guest on the podcast today. So, Toronto, while you practice in the area of collegiate sports, you were a Division I college athlete, weren't you? I was. Okay, good. And what was your sport? So, if I'm in person with people, I'm about 6'2". I like to joke that I was a gymnast, but I, in fact, played women's <laughs> basketball at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, UAB. So, go Blazers. Go Blazers. All right. Well, so, very good. And it is March. And that means that college basketball postseason is in full swing. The women's final four is being held at the Target Center in Minneapolis the first weekend in April. I'm sure there's a men's tournament happening as well. Maybe. But Bond's headquarters here in Syracuse, where college basketball is a bit of a thing. So as it is in many parts of the country, college basketball is on people's minds. It also happens to be Women's History Month. So today, in honor of both March Madness and Women's History Month, I'd like to talk a little bit about your journey from college athlete to collegiate sports attorney. Does that sound okay to you, Taronda? Sounds good. All right. Very good. Thank you. Well, towards the beginning of the podcast, I generally like to start out by asking the guests to talk a little bit about their backgrounds. I think it helps listeners to get to know who's speaking. And, you know, I always love to know where people are from and a little bit about them. Although I think I know some of these answers because <laughs> luckily we get to talk. But so Toronto, would you mind telling us a little bit about your background, where you're from, where you went to school, anything else you'd like to add? Sure thing. So I'm from a small town in lower Alabama, Brantley, Alabama. It's one of those towns you blink, you'll miss it. I had an opportunity to play women's basketball, like I said, at University of Alabama, Birmingham. Following that, I went to law school at the University of Alabama. So I guess you can say I'm Alabama through and through. <laughs> when it comes to things that you know I like to do, and I know Kim, you and I talk often about our are to read pal. I like to think of myself kind of as an avid reader, just a forever, uh, a life learner. And obviously I love college sports. So it just so happens that I get a chance to, to do what I love and work in a space and in an industry that I actually care about. That's awesome. Yes. We do like to compare what our, to re- how tall our to read pile is <laughs> <laughs> and what's in it. And why am I buying more books? Why am I, I still can- taking suggestions? <laughs> That's okay. I'll I'll take your suggestions after we get off the podcast too. (laughs) All right. So what did you do after law school at Alabama, but before joining Bond? Sure. So I had the opportunity to complete the NCAA postgraduate internship program in Indianapolis. So it was about a year long program. I was in the department that processes and investigates the alleged violations of NCAA bylaws, so enforcement. Um, Love that experience. Following that, I worked on campus at Florida State University in Tallahassee, Florida, worked in their athletics compliance office. So a big part of my responsibilities there included rules education, you know, just answering questions from coaches, student athletes, other stakeholders. And I joined Bond in September 2018. So it's crazy coming up on four years. Yes, that's great. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. So when I was at Syracuse working at the law school, I used to have students who externed with compliance. So they would always be like, I was ticket checking today. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I was like, okay, please explain. I don't know what that means. So it's it's funny you say that because while I was in law school at the University of Alabama, I had an opportunity to complete an externship there in the athletics compliance office. And so after I finished the part required for, you know, class credit, I kept volunteering a couple hours a week and especially on game days. And it would be, it's interesting the people that you meet when you work the complimentary ticket. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and they, I mean, to be fair, they would do that so they could go to the games, right? That's oh, absolutely. Why, <laughs> why not? You're a student. <laughs> exactly. That's why you volunteer. That's why you do it. And because there's one of two things that always comes up on the podcast. I believe it, it's Ui Pui and Utica. And so Ui Pui would be next to where the NCAA is or on the same complex. That's all the colleges in Indianapolis altogether, right? Yeah. Producer Kate. IUPUI. <laughs> that's right. All right. So I just had to mention it because somehow one of those two things always comes up. All right. So you've, there you are. You did your postgraduate fellowship with NCAA. Then you went to Florida and you made the switch to Bond, moved to Kansas to join a pretty well-known collegiate sport practice. You know, take another bar exam. That sounded fun, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But for the opportunity, <laughs> I would not be a two-time bar taker. So it was just an amazing opportunity. I think Bond has had a longstanding reputation in collegiate sports space. Like when I was in enforcement at the NCAA, they're one of the main firms that represent a lot of the clients um, or the universities that we'd be processing cases for when I was on campus. You know, you get to know some of the, the groups and stakeholders, power players in the industry, and Bond's name was a repeated name. So when the opportunity surfaced, it was a no-brainer. You know, I'm Southern, but I had no problem moving to Kansas <laughs> for this opportunity. That's great. That's great. So what, what also was it like to move from the school side to the firm side? Different, I guess, if I had to say just one word. When it comes to, you know, working on campus, I've always been a person that's solution-oriented, task-oriented. I don't mind solving problems. I love communicating with people. Obviously, the legal practice is a lot <laughs> like working on campus in that way, except you have to keep track of your time. So that was one of the big things that was was different, but I was fortunate to work in a space where I was exposed to the bylaws and saw how they actually applied on campus. And, you know, it's one thing to read things as written, but when you've worked on campus and you've seen how the bylaws come to life, how people process the bylaws, I think is extremely beneficial to you when you do switch over to the firm side. And that makes sense to me. And also that like, you can see how any changes impact this. You you know how clients are impacted when something happens or when information they might not want to hear comes in to the group, you know what it feels like on campus. And I, I think sometimes it's one thing to kind of drop a piece of information and then retreat back to your office while the people on campus may be scrambling and thinking about the different stakeholders and how they're going to process this information. And, you know, people tend to be sensitive to certain types of information and just the, I guess, ramifications of it more so than just, okay, this is the answer. Yes, no. Um, It means a little bit more to people on campus. Yeah, I think it helps as an attorney because you're more of a business partner and you're a, a, you feel like a fellow stakeholder to the clients than somebody who just has this theoretical knowledge that they drop in and drop out with. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to say, so I used to work at a law school and a lot of students would say, oh, I want to do sports law when you'd ask them what they wanted to do. But what drew you to sports law? So for me, it was my experience as a student athlete. 
I just think about that time in my life and how transformative it was and how it probably changed the trajectory of my life, obviously, because I have opportunity to, to do this now. So it was kind of a no brainer for me that sports law was a place or an industry where I wouldn't mind applying my legal skill set. That's great. And so then collegiate sports is a little bit different. I mean, I think that when students, maybe when they would say that to me, they meant they wanted to be somebody's agent or something, but um, collegiate sports is a little bit different, isn't it? So I think, and you're right, college sports or just sports in general can mean a lot. I mean, you have a lot of larger issues like contracts, media rights, employment issues that, you know, come into play where you're dealing with professional or collegiate sports. But for me, collegiate sports holds a special place just because of the passion for the experience. Um, People don't think about the fact that college athletics really helps people with access to education. And so for me, that's huge. So it's bigger than just playing a sport that you love, being competitive, winning trophies. When people have a chance to play college sports, their lives are arguably changed just based on the experience that they have. That's true because people who play college sports come from so many different backgrounds and so many different places across the country to play at any given school. But for some folks, college might not have been an option without college sports. So I think of it in terms of for some people, they become the exception to what typically happens to others around them, whether it be their family members or others in the community. But, you know, if given the right opportunity and they go to a campus that works for them, they're given a great support network and opportunity to compete in a sport that they love. And then by the end of that experience, however long it takes, you know, four, six years, (laughs) however many, they then become the expectation for what happens to their family. You know, I went to college. I want to make sure others around me also have an opportunity to have access to education. And from there, your life trajectory can change. Yeah. And it really can change a lot of other people's lives along the way, as you were mentioning. Yeah. So did you know that this is what you wanted to do when you entered law school, when you were a 1L at orientation at, at Bama? No, it was not. So I always knew that I wanted to be a lawyer, quote unquote, ever since I was young enough to be asked that question. The answer never really changed. It changed for a couple months after I went to D.C. and was exposed to lobbyists. But then I'm like, "Ah, okay, I want to be a lawyer. But my idea of what a lawyer did was fueled by what I saw on television, because, you know, I said I came from a small town. So you can imagine my surprise when I get to law school and start learning more about the legal profession, actually meet some attorneys and, you know, learn more about their day to day when I realized that, okay, so they don't exactly do what I see on television, or at least not at first. And, you know, it's competitive to get those type of opportunities, or maybe you're dealing with a subject matter that you're really not that interested in. So I won't say I knew when I started, but I found out shortly after that that was my sweet spot, just athletics administration. That's great. That's great. So I, we've said, I've said this a bunch of times now, we've said collegiate sports practice in some variation. Maybe we should tell people what that means. Like, what type of work do you all do for clients? So for us, I think of what we do as administrative law, if I have to explain to another person who's kind of familiar with the legal profession. But in general, most of the work that we do um, is representing institutions and helping them as they go through the NCAA infractions process or their adjudication process. So we help institutions with investigations when they're dealing with the enforcement staff. They have to appear before the committee on infractions or a panel of the independent members, represent them, and we make their arguments. We compile 
submissions for them. <laughs> we just kind of hold their hand as they go through the process and serve as a resource. We also do independent reviews and investigations, and some of those are proactive. Those are the ones that I enjoy. <laughs> so we do compliance assessments where an institution may ask us to come in and look at their systems to make sure that they're up to par with industry standards and that it will help them maintain institutional control in the event that something does happen. And we also do culture reviews. Sometimes schools do those on a proactive way, like, hey, you know, we just want to check the temperature in athletics to see how things are. Love to have an outside entity come in. Maybe we gather insight at the end of every year, but we don't think it will hurt to have someone else come in, take a look, make sure we're up to industry standards. And then sometimes those reviews are done, unfortunately, in response to an issue. So whether that's coach's conduct, student athlete well-being concern, come in, we provide an outside set of eyes, draft a report, or provide a report of our findings and try to make recommendations to help the university or institution um, get up to industry standards or fix whatever issue we've identified. I think that's all important too, because athletics tends to have such a public, a big part of what people think of campuses. Right. Even, you know, even though they might be a top tier research group and somebody is leading something in physics, that's not the part that the public knows about. It's the, it's the sports where the community gets involved, where little kids follow the team. And so it's it's an important piece. There's a, a lot of that that kind of it's part of people's heart. Right. College athletics. It does. I mean, it, it unites people across all different backgrounds because they're pulling for, you know, their team on Saturdays or whatever night um, that the <laughs> basketball team or another sport team might be competing. And a lot of people think of athletics as kind of the front porch to the university because it holds that brand. And for a lot of institutions, they use that as a driver for enrollment. People are attracted to that brand and maybe the exposure to that brand isn't coming on the academic side. Maybe it's coming because they've seen the sport team. And they're like, oh, okay, so where is this institution? And they start looking and they realize, oh, they offer my major. I actually like the city that they're in. So athletics absolutely provides kind of a, a front porch to many universities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I might be sitting here wearing an orange shirt right now. Anyway. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, they can't see you. And I don't know if they know why you're wearing an orange shirt. With the blue blazer, <laughs> might I add. <laughs> yes, I went all in, went all in. Um <laughs> So I know you recently attended the NCAA convention and you're all, meaning all of you in the office are up to date on the many changes, both NCAA, individual conferences, the National Labor Relations Board, judicial decisions. I don't know if people necessarily, listeners would know that all of that can impact college sports and decisions on campuses as well. So there's a lot of moving parts at any given time. I mean, I didn't think that NIL would be an acronym we'd be throwing around, did you? No, so it's, it's funny. I think back to my days as a student athlete, and I don't know if I thought it was NIL at that time, but I knew that we could not use our name, image, or likeness. Like we couldn't make money just because we we're a student athlete or receive, you know, special benefits at that time. Like I knew that, but now for like the general public to know like NIL as an acronym and know that it means name, image, or likeness, especially in the age of like social media, where you know people are influencers. Sometimes I think about being an influencer, but I'm not sure I have <laughs> a specialty that people would actually care about. But now it's something that everyone kind of knows and is interested in. And the NCA, I guess, you know, to keep up with the times and maybe there was some legislative pressure to adopt to the times, they changed the rules to allow student athletes to profit from their name, image, or likeness. And sometimes people don't think about the fact that 
for a student athlete, there's a time period where your name, image, and likeness probably means a little bit more um, based right. on the success that you're having at that time. And so, you know, once you get removed from college, unfortunately, I know a lot of people know that everyone doesn't get a chance to, to go pro in their sport. Most people go pro in something else. Now, granted, I never really thought, or I probably never really had a chance of going pro in my sport, but at the same time, during your collegiate years, uh, I think it's great that student athletes are having an opportunity to profit from their name, image, and likeness. Now, we can have another episode where we talk about how women's sports, you know, should be more high profile in the professional level. <laughs> That is an entirely different podcast. Yes, we will that talk take a about lot that. More time. Yes, we'll talk about that and women's soccer and all that. So anyway, um, but then you know, I was surprised how the National Labor Relations Board is now actually speaking on college sports. Right, certain players at academic institutions, what we would refer to in the past as student athletes, like I think listeners think that this is all just NCAA regulations at the most, but there is a lot more to this practice, isn't there? There are. And, and Kim, you and I, we probably could talk again for an extended period of time about the different court decisions and what they mean and how that will impact the way that people do things on campus. I know, you know, the Austin decision came out and, you know, people were kind of paying attention to that. Certain comments by certain justices were like, oh, so this could change things going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say the papers I was receiving, I, I'm fairly well versed in this because half the class would write it was writing on these. <laughs> people were paying attention. Yeah, people were paying attention. It was something that students were interested in. It's it's a, a much while NCAA regulations are a big part of what you all do, there's many other pieces of this as well. And as we've seen recently, the jurisdiction of the NCAA is just one part of campus. And people forget that because college sports seem to be the whole campus to those on the outside. It does. It does. So it's interesting just how things that people may consider to be within the NCAA's jurisdiction are in fact not. And there are other entities that, you know, are developed and created and operate to make sure that those rules and regulations are enforced. But because it touches college sports, sometimes people assume that the NCAA should be doing something about it. And I think to the NCAA's credit, which for people who may not know, the NCAA is actually like the membership of the, you know, the different universities mm-hmm. and institutions. Um, I think they're paying attention to that and just trying to be sensitive and putting out policies and procedures or just thoughts about certain hot button topics. That's great. Yeah. And, you know, while you're working with these clients and, and explaining the issues, do you think it's helpful that they know you're, you were a collegiate athlete when you're talking to the folks in these roles? Absolutely. So for student athletes, when I sit across from them and I talk to them, I think it means something that I know a little bit about the pressures that they may face, what yeah. it feels like to be a student athlete and managing, you know, the different demands, as well as just interacting with the coach. Because it's one thing to think that things should go a certain way. But when you're a student athlete and you've experienced that coach student athlete dynamic, as well as just fitting into the larger campus body, it means a little, it gives you a little bit of credibility. People tend to open up a little bit more and be willing to share because like, oh yeah, like she gets it. And as far as the people that work in administration, I think that they appreciate the fact that I'm sensitive to the campus dynamic and how, like I mentioned earlier, just dropping a piece of information or providing a recommendation. You can't just do that and walk away and think it's a one size fits all because it may be processed or received differently depending on the stakeholder. So that's something that when we're, you know, for instance, crafting recommendations to help an institution kind of strengthen their systems and policies and procedures, 
I encouraged them to tell me a little bit more about the politics, unfortunately. Like, okay, so yeah, theoretically, this is what we'd recommend, but based on what I've seen here and what I think you're telling me here, I don't know if this works. So let's try to craft a solution that will actually work for you and your campus. Yeah, and, and you know, we describe that in our other practice areas at Bond as being a business partner. Right. And I think that's the same relationship you all have is like, let's see how we can make this work. Let's see how we can make this better because that's what our clients, the institutions want, right? They want to make it better. If there was an issue or if it's just responding to a new regulation or a new decision, whatever it is, the the goal is to get better. And I I like the fact that we use that term because I think that clients are more likely to come to you with an issue when they really feel like you're invested in it. So it's like, you know, let let me gather some insight from this person. They kind of, you know, they understand the lay of the land here and let me just kind of gather some insight and see what their thoughts are. So I think those type of relationships are the most beneficial from a client as well as an attorney perspective. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So I have to ask you this because I think a lot of people think it, but I wanted to ask you, that um, discipline that you were talking about, right? Those athletes you sit across the table from, you know what they have to do to make all their grades be on the road all the time and take care of their classes and all of that. Do you think that sort of discipline helped you get through law school, pass multiple bar exams, and then get the client work done every day? It has. You know, I look back at my experience as a student athlete, and one, I don't think I realized how much fun I was actually having at that time. Two, you think about- Work will do that too. Exactly. Two, I think about the things that the adults, I guess, at the time, although, you know, as a student athlete, you're an adult as well, but the things that they were telling me that mattered or, you know, would prepare me for life. And then as time goes by, you start saying like, oh, okay, now I get why mental toughness was such a thing or why, you know, being on time such a thing. And to be honest, I wish I had someone to hold me accountable to work out now. Um, Me too. (laughs) too. (laughs) It's just the little things, but that discipline does help you in terms of time management and any given day, there are a number of issues that, you know, I'm assisting other attorneys with, I'm responding to clients and just keeping people informed. And it's very much a balancing act and just kind of understanding the priority of things, being able to adjust, not being easily rattled. (laughs) (laughs) And then as far as studying for the bar exam, I think that's just pure perseverance. (laughs) It is. It's just like getting through the complete tedium of it. It's boring. There is nothing exciting about studying for the bar exam. The only exciting thing is passing. That's, that is the exciting part. And then then it's like, oh, now I got to get back to work. Okay. <laughs> but it is exciting. So what are some of your favorite things about being a collegiate sports attorney? So I like the fact that I get to work with people from all across the country. Bond has a pretty strong brand and they have clients literally from coast to coast. Um, And so just have an opportunity to see how people do things on different campuses at different levels. So we don't just represent, you know, huge institutions. We also represent some smaller institutions. We represent private and public institutions. So just seeing the way that things are done on different campuses, I love it. And I think you, you add a little bit to your toolkit, like maybe this institution is doing this really well. Yes, they need to work on this, but they're doing this really well. And so, you know, later down the road, you encounter another institution. And you're like, you know what? Based on my experience with another client, I can kind of help you with that or put some systems or some suggestions in place. So I just love being exposed to 
multiple campuses, multiple perspectives. I love working on a college campus. I love, you know, having a team to cheer for, but there's something about being able to have a view from the perspective of seeing multiple and being able to kind of gather best practices from all of them. Yeah. I, it's funny. When I first started, everyone was like, well, you can go to Overland Park, but they're never there. They're always at a <laughs> campus somewhere. <laughs> COVID grounded you guys for a little bit, but I think you're back in the air again, aren't you? We are. We are, which I am very grateful because I will say that after sitting here, Overland Park is lovely. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> I was used to not traveling as much as some of the people in our group, because I think some of the other attorneys travel a lot more to their clients. But a lot of times, you know, they would bring me along or I'd have some reviews that I would do on my own. And so I miss being able to actually visit a campus and visit an area. I think COVID has changed the way that a lot of people conduct business. And we realize that we can be just as effective remotely for the most part. I do think there's still some value in being face-to-face, but business can occur as needed. And, you know, as usual, via Zoom, Skype, Teams, what other platforms are out there. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit of a hybrid going forward, don't you, where like the travel will come back, but not to the levels it did before. Yes, I agree. It's, it started to creep back, but then some people are, they ask about maybe you do part of it there and then you complete the rest of it remotely. And a lot of people, we laugh about things that used to be a phone call are now a Zoom or, you know, you're looking at the person, which you get some, you get more connectivity, but yes. at the same time. This used to be a phone call. <laughs> I spend my life on, on weird camera, meaning this like this, like this is all I this is what I do all day. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to be able to see people. It is, it is, it is. Well, I know there are many issues out there for collegiate sports, still either waiting enactment or a judge's decision or new regs. So um I think I'm gonna have to convince you to come back on the podcast to update us. Does that sound okay? It does. I mean, the, the NCAA adopted a new constitution in January. It's not effective to August, but, you know, they've empowered a transformation committee that's going to look at things touching the student-athlete experience and the regulatory structure. Some of the comments um, that have been made in judicial decisions kind of hint at how things will right. be analyzed going forward. So it's an exciting time to be in college athletics and it's forever changing, but I love it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, so I'm going to have to come out to Orland Park maybe to record a few podcasts with you all, maybe see a Yankees game, you know, with the Royals or whatever, you know, but just come you out. Should. I should. Come on. I have to. Well, thanks so much, Tana, for joining us today. You know, I always love to talk to you and usually we're on a different platform than, than this one. It's just the two of us chatting and catching up and talking through whatever's on our minds. But I really appreciate this. I hope you're getting time to watch some March Madness. I, I make time to watch it, even if it's in the background. All it's right. an exciting time. I, I can't wait to hear one shining moment. I feel like I feel chills, although I didn't come close to winning a championship at that level, unfortunately. But it's just something about seeing the passion that the fans display and the yeah. student athletes display and just to see their hard work realized. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, well, I always appreciate the chance to hang out with you and talk to you. Thank you again for joining us. And we'll get you back on this podcast again soon. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Legally Bond. If you're listening and have any questions for me, want to hear from someone at the firm, or have a suggestion for a future topic, please email us at legallybond at bsk.com. Also, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Legally Bond wherever podcasts are downloaded. Until our next talk, be well.
Bond, Shenick, and King has prepared this communication to present only general information. This is not intended as legal advice, nor should you consider it as such. You should not act or decline to act based upon the contents. While we try to make sure that the information is complete and accurate, laws can change quickly. You should always formally engage a lawyer of your choosing before taking actions which have legal consequences. For information about our communication, firm, practice areas, and attorneys, visit our website, bsk.com. This is Attorney Advertising.